0: hi i want to welcome you to daily drive time devotions this is pastor tom holiday and we are starting a look today at john chapter 19. this is the chapter where john tells the story of jesus giving his life for us you may have seen those day in the life books you may have one on your coffee table you know those books where they take a day in the life of america take pictures all over america and you turn the pages and see what happened on that day in america or a day in the life of california In many ways, John chapter 19 is a day in the life of Jesus Christ, the day that he died. It's a day that's filled with pictures, and John chapter 19 is filled with pictures. In fact, as we walk through this chapter this week, we're going to be looking together at 15 separate, powerful pictures of what Jesus did for us. As we look at this day in the life of Jesus Christ, we're really looking at one of the two most important days in all of history, the day that Jesus died. The other of those two most important days will come three days later when Jesus is resurrected. And as we begin this look at John chapter 19, I'd like to begin with a look towards the end of the chapter. It adds power to everything that we read. John chapter 19, verse 35, the man who saw it has given testimony. This is John writing, the writer. And his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. In in this one verse, he tells us the whole reason for the gospel of John. And he tells us who the person is that's writing, and he tells us the purpose for which it's written. The person is John, and he's saying this is an eyewitness account. I saw these things. John was at the cross. He saw what happened that day. He also tells us the purpose for which this is written, to to enable us to believe. This isn't just for historical interest. This is so my heart, my faith can be impacted. These pictures should impact my faith in an everyday way. As we look through these pictures, as we walk through these pictures, my prayer for you and for me both is that our faith will be impacted. I have to tell you that some of the pictures are not easy to look at. Picture one at the very beginning of the chapter is an ugly picture. It's the picture of Jesus being flogged, of Jesus being whipped. John chapter 19 verse 1 says, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. He had him whipped because he was hoping to appease the Jewish leaders. He was willing to put Jesus to cruel torture, to better his political condition. He didn't care about Jesus. He just cared about his position. And this is where the torture of this day starts for Jesus, after the trials that he'd been a part of all night long, as we talked about last week, unfair trials. He's been up all night. He's worn out already. And then the torture of this day starts with this flogging. If you've seen The Passion of the Christ, the movie, this picture of what happened to Jesus in this moment, it's stamped on your heart. Just as slaves were treated as animals when they were whipped, Jesus, by Pilate, is attempted to be treated like an animal in this moment. It's meant to be dehumanizing, but it is not, because Jesus Christ stands above it all. And even in having him flogged, what's going to happen from this point on, Jesus shows himself to be God. That's where the pictures start, with Jesus willing to suffer for you, Jesus willing to suffer for me. It starts with this flogging, and then picture number two, you you turn the page on this day in the life of Jesus Christ, and the next picture is the picture of a taunting. John chapter 19, verses 2 and 3, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe, and they went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews and they struck him in the face. In John 19, verse 3, that verb tense again and again. It it indicates strongly that they repeatedly, over and over and over, came up to him, taunting him. This happened probably near the Fortress Antonia. There is, even today in Jerusalem, you can go down and see the pavement that was there below this fortress, and there is etched in that pavement something called the King's Game some etchings on the pavement where you could cast some lots. And depending on where your lots landed, you would either win or lose the game. One of the places the lots could land was on a crown. And if your lots landed on a crown, you'd get a laurel wreath put on your head and you'd be the winner of the game that day. There's a good chance that these soldiers were playing a cruel form of that game. I've I've been to that spot in Jerusalem, down below the streets at the original pavement. And as you stand there and think about what the soldiers did that day, it's a very sobering moment. To think that they cast those lots and they said, we're casting lots for you, Jesus. And it landed on the crown, but instead of a a, a laurel crown, they took a crown of thorns and they put that on Jesus' head. Simply, simply for fun. Simply because they thought it would add humor to their day, interest to their day. They didn't realize that it was the Son of God. They didn't realize that Jesus in just a few hours was going to give his life for them so that they could be forgiven if only they would ask. The pictures of this day, they begin with flogging. They they include taunting. Picture number three after this flogging and taunting is the picture of Jesus before Pilate and the crowd. And if you've ever seen a movie of this day in the life of Jesus Christ, this is one of the most powerful pictures. John chapter 19, verses 4 to 7. Once more, Pilate came out and he said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out, wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. Pilate brings Jesus out before the crowd one more time to say to them one more time, He's not guilty. I find him not guilty. A comparison of the Gospels shows that Pilate pronounced Jesus not guilty no less than seven times. And here in John, as he declares him to be not guilty, there's this famous statement Here is the man. And Jesus standing silent before the crowd with the robe they'd put on him and the crown they'd pushed into his head. Pilate was hoping that he'd done enough to satisfy the crowd. That seeing Jesus beaten, seeing Jesus ridiculed would cause them to say, You've done enough, let him go. But instead they called for him to be crucified. Now why? Why would they call for him to be crucified when he looked so tortured? They were just following the crowd. There were a few leaders in the crowd, we learned in the other gospels, that riled up the rest of the crowd to ask for him to be crucified. They wanted him to be crucified because they needed him out of the way, because he was in He was in the way of their plans. He was in the way of the way they wanted life to work out. And here's Pilate. Pilate, who so often tried to release him but never did. The question is, why didn't he release him? Someone on our research team asked about this. Was he afraid of someone? And the answer is, everyone. Pilate was afraid of everyone. Probably the reason he was trying to save Jesus is because, as we learn in one of the other Gospels, His wife had warned him that she'd had a dream about Jesus and that Jesus should not be put to death. And so he's looking for the road of greatest self-protection. He's trying to release Jesus, but he will not do it. He will not do it if it causes any danger to himself. He would not do what would cost him in some way. His whole motivation was selfishness. As I look at Pilate and see the confusion that he lived with that day, see him trying to work life out to work like he needed it to work out, but it wasn't going to, it's frightening to me to recognize how easily all of us can slip into this weakness of Pilate, letting selfishness rule our lives. Pilate was caught up in selfishness. And so this moment, Jesus was going to the cross, but it was a different moment than it could have been for him. It could have been a moment of belief. It was not. We see that in the next verses. Picture number three is... Jesus before Pilate and the crowd, but then picture number four, the last one we're going to look at today, is Jesus before Pilate alone. Verses 8 to 12. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. In this conversation between Pilate and Jesus, we learn an extremely important principle of life. As believers, we desperately need to understand this biblical view of life. Jesus says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Pilate had no power except that it was given to him from above. And the same thing is true in your life. There is no power over you except that which is given from above. Now, why God allows certain things to happen, I do not know. I'm going to have to ask God about some of them when I get to heaven. I guess you will too. But this truth is the truth, even though I don't always understand. God is always in control. Your boss would have no power over you if it were not given to him or her from above. Your school would have no power over you if it were not given to him or her from above. Our government would have no power over you if it were not given to our government from above. The business of Christians is to recall who is in charge and in control of life. And even here, as Jesus is being taunted and flogged and brought before the crowd, tried to be ridiculed, even here, he is in control. He is Lord. He is Lord. And as you and I come to the end of this first day of looking at these pictures from the life of Jesus on the day that he gave his life for us, I'd like to take a moment to pray, talk to him, and recognize before him that he is in control. You might just breathe that simple prayer, God, you are in control. Jesus, what happened at the cross reminds me that nothing, nothing that can happen in this, in this world and take away your lordship. And Lord, even though I don't understand why everything happens, even though I don't understand why this is allowed and that is not, I do understand that you are in control. And I choose in this moment to rest in that, to recall that you're in charge, you are in control of life. And I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you gave for me. In your name, Jesus, amen.